The Book Guys show is brought to you by Audible. Go to audibletrial.com slash bookguys and get a free book just for signing up for one free trial. <laughs> Here we go again, guys. Episode 97. Sorry, 097 of the Book Guys show. My name is Paul Alves, sometimes known as... Paul the Book Guy! And joined, as always, by my co-host, the one and only... Sir Jimmy. How you doing, Jimmy? I'm doing so good. Uh, you know what? I just got off probation. I'm allowed back on the internet. I'm glad you called. <laughs> is that because of your whole thing with Ted Kaczynski? Ooh, it might be. You know, I'm on a list. Uh, the next time I leave the country or the state or head down to the grocery store, I'm probably going to have to watch my back. I think so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and here's our friend. Professor Helen. Yeah, how you doing, Professor? Yeah. Hell yeah. I'm doing great. Only problem is we're expecting six inches of snow in a couple of days. And I'm on spring break next week already, so I'd already be out of class. That just ain't right. Nice. Oh, why don't you call me, uh, you know, the next time that you have no class? Hey, no. <laughs> Settle down. That didn't come out. Now, you might hear some noise in the background just because we're getting ready for the party that is 100. Now, I- I'm going to encourage each and every one of us to have noise and music and-, and drunk people in the background for 100. The party's already started. This That's is right. like the pre-party. That's right. This is the pre-party. <laughs> Yeah. So guys, you like know, that takes you got to ramp up to it. You can't just oh jump yeah. in. No, you can't just jump in. We got to slowly move up to the noise and the uh, insanity. It's going to be 100. Yeah. Otherwise, you'd be like Leonardo DiCaprio when he like he finally hit that water. He's like, "Whoa! I didn't realize it was going to be this kind of party." <laughs> no I should have warmed up. Nobody parties like dedicated book readers. Everybody knows that. And you know, guys, when, when I first started, uh, first episode, uh, and you're going to hear that in episode 099, which is going to be a recap, probably four-hour-long episode. There's a reason when I said episode one was 001. And uh, I did yes. get a lot of We're emails. We're not doing this millennium thing where people don't know if it's... Oh, like- Jimmy, I, I got emails and, and, and tweets. Why is it episode 001, not one? And I said... Because if I call it 001, that means there's going to be a 100. That's right. Great no success. No 99, there's no 101. We, That's right. You know, so you know what? all of our fans, they could. We are hitting 100. So 0, 100. That's what, as soon as we hit 100, I'm going to call it 100. But episode 101, I'm going to call it 0, 101, just so we can hit 1,000. Yeah. Because otherwise you have to just skip over a thousand, right? Right. <laughs> I did that by accident with my pinky finger. And, and the great thing is, like like Paul said in the first ninety six, ninety seven episodes, he was able he was able to find four good hours. That's impressive. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> <laughs> How many well, hours did that take, Paul? <laughs> way too long. <laughs> so we're at ninety seven. Ninety eight we're gonna have Survivor Man Les Stroud on. Oh, awesome. we let the cat out of the bag. I was wondering. Yeah, we're letting the cat out of the bag. Les Stroud's going to meet with us next week or you know, join us. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. That's right. Tell your, tell your lawyer. <laughs> it's coming. Send your questions to info at newsroom.com. What do you want to hear, Les Stroud? 99. Answer. Other than having Bob, all of Bob's conversation on the Internet, 
Uh, <laughs> Bob's the guy in the background yelling. Um, 99, we're going to do a recap show uh, with some of our best uh, reviews, recommendations. We're going to go through the years of the Book Guys show, the last three years of all the hosts and what happened. 100 is going to be a party. Uh, right now, I've booked 15 guests. So we're going to do probably a guest every 10 minutes on Skype, just randomly calling people, and it's going to be fun. Hey, let me ask you. How about, like, the following morning, we, we do 101 at, like, 7.30 in the morning. The Hangover Show. The Hangover Show. <laughs> the hangover Part 4. That would be great, actually. The, show, the, the, the movie you were promised, Part 3. Yeah. We're sorry. We're bringing it on now. Trust now, us. As it stands, 101 or 102, we're going to have... The man that... Neil deGrasse Tyson. No, Are you no. sure you want to promise these, Paul? No. Sometimes things change. Sometimes things change, but that's why I'm saying 101 or 102, we are going to have the man that Muhammad Ali could not knock down. Let's not say his name. The guy Let's just with, leave it there. with the, the hands like two big piles of bananas, the giant fingers. Yeah, I shook his hand and he almost crushed the life out of me. Yeah, Google that. Who's the only guy Muhammad Ali could not knock down? That's right. And the, and the only guy that Muhammad Ali said, that was my toughest fight ever. He's going to be here in the studio, uh, sitting beside me and having a couple of drinks with me. And uh, yeah, he's got his hands like a melon. He's a genuine, unadulterated <laughs> Canadian gentleman, right? He is a gentleman and a scholar. Just saying. And a Canadian. And a Canadian, yeah. So hey, let's you know, we talk won't about uh, that. We won't bring hey, it. Let's do this. What are. What's on your. What's on your. Kindle. What are stand. you reading? What are you reading, Professor Allen? What are you reading? Well, I've got two. Um, now, I don't read a lot of war stories or watch war movies or even read war comic books. But then I heard author Mike. Cole on a recent episode of I Should Be Writing, hosted by friend of the show, former book guy's guest, Mer Lafferty. Oh, and Mer, hopefully Mer will join us for the 100. She's on the Uh, list. But uh, Mike described his Shadow Ops series as military fantasy. And with that concept, I was hooked. So I grabbed the audio of the first book in that series, Control Point. And a few hours in, I'm totally enjoying it. So it's military. It follows an officer in the military's, not special ops, yeah. supernatural ops, fighting magical enemies inside and outside. But it has that real military structure feel to it. And it's nice. really interesting. So it's not high fantasy with wizards and elves and orcs, you know, Dungeons and Dragons type fantasy. It's, you know, legitimate military novel with some magic thrown in. You have opened my eyes, Professor. Let me tell you, I, it's like, you know, they say military intelligence. <laughs> that's like a, you know, that's so <laughs> right. silly. But when you say military fantasy, I never think of the military as being an entity that fantasizes about just having this creepy supernatural power to be this and that. That's, that's really awesome. I love that. I'm going to have to check this out. It's not bad. It's the author is Mike Cole. He's got a funny spelling. It's M-Y-K-E is his first name. Mike Cole. Oh, uh, Professor Allen, we, we have some synchronicity happening. I, too, have been reading a uh, military-based novel. 
and we'll, we'll talk a bit about yours again in a bit, but I'm also listening to a... Autobiographies. I happen to be oh, actually reading a physical book codenamed Johnny Walker, The Extraordinary Story of the Iraqi Who Risked Everything to Fight with the U.S. Navy SEALs. And uh, this is a gentleman, we don't know his real name. His code name was Johnny Walker throughout the uh, Second Iraq War. And we do have him tentatively booked for the Book Guys show. We're, not, we're never going to know his real name, but this is an Iraqi who is, uh, also became a translator for the uh, uh, Americans in the Iraq War. And he wrote this book about how he helped not only the Americans through the Iraq War, uh, but helped to preserve Iraqi lives as well on the ground because he spoke the language and knew who was the bad guys, who were the natives, who were the douchebags, you know, on the ground and, uh, you know, helped laser target things and happening. And we're going to have him on the show. And my first question to, be, to him is going to be, why are you a traitor? You know, to your own people, why were you a traitor to the Iraqis? And uh, apparently he's... <laughs> that would get the interview off to a good start, Paul. Yeah, like you know, uh, you know I, I've let him know that that's going to be my first question. Uh, but this man uh, was so pivotal in the Iraq war. He is beloved by the Navy SEALs, by, uh, you know, the SEAL teams and by the, the, the special ops on the ground. Uh, he really did help not only the Americans, but the Iraqis. He saved a lot of Iraqi lives by helping the Americans target the bad guys in his own country and not, you know, the locals who had nothing to do with anything. So far, interesting story. I'm about a quarter of the way through the book. Johnny Walker, named after a whiskey. How cool is that? <laughs> now, one thing I've noticed, Paul, being on this side of the microphone with you, is you like memoirs, don't you? Or is that just a coincidence? You uh, I, I thought you were going to say lots of those. I thought you were going to say I like whiskey because I do. <laughs> well, that too. That would explain the party atmosphere in the background. Yeah, I, you know what? I love not only whiskey but memoirs. I love. Thank you, Bob. I'm good. By the way, folks, in the background is Bob, uh, the police officer who did say that uh, Stephen King's Under the Dome could have been. Uh, Used as a weapon. Used as a weapon. And like episode five of the Book Guys show. <laughs> All right. That, that's come back around. Yeah. Yes. We're coming back around. Maybe Bob is going to join us for the 100th. Well, we'll have him judge a few other books. If, they're still under the dome. Yeah, under the dome. The is, yes, it is. It is a weapon. <laughs> hey, put him back on point, Alan. Put him back. Bring him back so, around. So, Paul, memoirs. Yes. You're a big fan. I, I love him. Love him. Uh, Especially when, when, when we, as the book guys, get a chance to speak to the actual people behind the memoirs, you know? Like, the, whether they're autobiographies or biographies. Of like, Viper Pilot. Yeah, Viper Pilot. There's an autobiography. We had a good time talking to Dan Hampton. And uh, talking about, bio, uh, not, not even autobiographies, biographies like the Johnny Ace. I forget the name of the, I'm so sorry. I forgot the name of the author of uh, the Johnny Ace biography. We had such a good time with him talking about Johnny Ace. Just right. Google Johnny Ace. You yeah, know what I think it. about when you talk about memoirs, that's like somebody who's getting close to dying and they're like, yeah, you know when you what? Hear that I'm going yeah. to tell the real deal. Yeah. And I've been holding on to this and I, and I want to see Naples. I want to take that cruise up to Anchorage. Yeah. And they're like, they give it to you. 
and you've been waiting for it, and it's finally there. But, but you know, Professor Allen, I prefer autobiographies because, you know what, especially if they're read in the audiobook version by the actual person, fantastic. I wish we could have heard Steve Jobs reading his own autobiography, but, right. you know, liver cancer really sneaks up on you, and he didn't have that chance. But uh, any man, uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Sir Jimmy, when I hear memoir, I also think that, you know, they died quickly and didn't have a chance, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's like, it's like the Steve Jobs book, it was done like kind of at the end and compressed down in, but, you know, somebody that's like, you know, I got 10 or 12 good years left before I'm, you know, hooked up to some tubes and stuff, you know, it's time to cash in on all this cool stuff I've done in my life. Yeah. Everybody's wanting to, you know, hear it. But, but then, Sir Jimmy, there's other autobiographies, like, uh, you're going to see in episode 99, our first book review ever on Book Guys Show on episode one was... Um, William Shatner's Up Till Now, which he reads himself, and I highly recommend that to any uh, Shatner fan or Star Trek fan or just a fan of interesting books. I'd listen to William Shatner read just about anything. Yeah, I could read the Bible, the dictionary, kind of like Scott Brick, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I put them on par. But you, you got to hear uh, William in Up Till Now talking about his time with uh, Coco the Gorilla hanging on to his rapidly shrinking balls as he's <laughs> sitting in the cage at the zoo, and I think it's San Francisco. And uh, a, a wonderful story. And he talks about uh, stories with, you know, Chekhov and Spock and all the actors that played them. Uh, good book. Just Fantastic. saying. Nice. Just, just putting it out there. Hey, hang on, hey. guys. We've got to play a promo because we're going to do every single promo we've ever got is going to be played on episode 99 and 100. So we'll take a, uh, a little quick break. We'll come back. Uh, Professor Allen wants to talk a little bit, I think, a little bit more about the uh, biography he was talking about. Hi, this is Colin Ferguson. I play Sheriff Jack Carter on Eureka, and you're and listening to the book, guys. the book Guys. Book Guys. So, Professor Allen, I cut you off talking about autobiographies when you're talking about the one you were, uh, you know. No, no, not, uh, you're, not. You're good. Not at all. That he, was tried to, he tried to throw you, like, the segue of segues. Okay, okay. So it was a good segue. Folks, we're doing it this week without any kind of show notes. Literally, unrehearsed. What's and, Sir Jimmy reading? Oh. Well, what, what, what am I reading? Oh. I'm, I'm Sir Jimmy. Sir Jimmy is, is trudging through Snow Crash. Let me tell you, <laughs> if, if you want to You're get... You're a dedicated man. <sighs> It's a lot of CDs. I recommend that if you get uh, media on a disc format, you you request an MP3 yeah. CD. Yeah, they're not if you always have available. Any kind of a new car, boom, one CD, you're done. Yeah, but I am like on uh, eleven of fourteen, so by tomorrow at noon, I should be done. Have you read Snow Crash, Professor Allen? I have not. I've read uh, Cryptonomicon. Is that oh, in terms of well? Neil Stevens? I, I gotta say, yeah, Professor Allen, well. Crypt, yeah. Cryptonomicon is one of those audiobooks that I do not recommend for folks when they're actually reading or listening at work or when they're doing anything that involves any kind of brain power. Because I listen to Snow Crash like I always do to every other audiobook, but if you're actually listening to Cryptonomicon and actually doing anything that involves any kind of mental labor, yeah. you're gonna get lost. You that missed so much, like, right? That was something like 30-some hours. It was huge. Yeah. It's, 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 again, it's one of those uh, seven, there, there, There's quite a few series books. quite a few series from Neil Stevenson that if you um, 
aren't paying full attention and not like, you know, laying in your bed and with the headphones on, you're going to get lost. And Cryptonomicon is one of those. But Snow Crash, uh, Sir Jimmy, to me is kind of almost like a, I was going to say Neil Gaiman. I'd rather say Douglas Adam-esque's, uh, Douglas oh. Adam-esque book where it's yeah. just so much fun. Yeah, and you can miss out on little parts and not lose the entire right. scope of the story. And I found that, that I was like, oh, you know, I get distracted in traffic and I back up to the beginning of a section. I'm like, okay, yeah, I guess I, guess I didn't miss anything. Yeah. And you're still, you're like waiting to see the next thing. And uh, crypto, so. Cryptonomicans, 42 hours and 53 minutes. You really have to pay attention. It's a complicated plot. Not so complicated, but complicated enough that you, you can read it, uh, listen to it. Doing the dishes? I was going to say it's complicated enough that it's hard to listen to it on double speed. <laughs> yeah. That's the problem. Yeah, when, he, when a book's that long, you want to put at least time to, and a half. To be honest, at the time I was... that I, complicated. Yeah, when not. I was listening to Cryptonomicon, it's not that complicated. But even uh, listening to it in traffic, in a car, just you know, trying to judge you know, what's going on in traffic and, and, and drive the vehicle... You're going to get lost. You have to rewind a couple of times to uh, pay attention to the Cryptonomicon. Where Snow Crash, uh, I, I got to say again, it's Douglas Adams-esque. It's very like, um, you know, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It's so much fun. We're talking I just about. wrote down a note. I just wrote down a note here. And I think we need to come up with a, I don't know, uh, like a, an amalgamation of all of us. Okay. The top five or top ten most gripping, most uh, absorbing first chapters of any book. Because Ooh, nice. when, when you talk about Snow Crash, you know, it, 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 it pulled me in. It pulled me in no. talking about this, this futuristic pizza delivery guy, right. a concept <laughs> that you would never even think about. And the detail and everything about it. And you're thinking, my goodness, the people in the future really want their pizza. Yeah, Professor Allen, it's not, it's not 30 minutes or it's free. It's 30 minutes, and there's literally a timer on the pizza. And if you don't get your pizza in 30 minutes, the head of the mafia has to be flown into your house to personally apologize to you and give you yeah. your pizza. And guess what? Waking the head of the mafia out of his house to drag him to some asshole's home somewhere in Puts North America. In a really good mood? Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and, and if it get if the pizza gets like where it's um like twenty seven minutes, that is like a like a news story that's going to be on the front like the front page yeah. or the, below the fold. yeah the the pizza's like <laughs> have uh did they have Amazon drones delivering them? That's the yeah. future I want. One day, Snow Crash is a fascinating book. Uh, it, it even includes an antagonist. Well. S- Antagonist slash protagonist who is driving a um, Harley with a nuclear weapon on it. <laughs> how, how can you? How can you? Um, what balls does it take to name your main character hero protagonist? Yeah, <laughs> that, right. I mean that is that's like right. that's a slap in the face, but you forget about it, and then they say it again. And you're like, this guy was really. Was, no, no, Jimmy, are you listening to the Audible? Are you listening to the audiobook or are you reading the book? Oh, I am listening to the audio book. Okay. The, this one is definitely a value for value. 17-hour uh, audiobook. 
I'm going to play a short audio clip right off the Audible website. Um, that would be a great book to get for free. Oh, absolutely. Audible your first how book. I, how would I go about doing that? Well, Professor Allen, you go to audibletrial.com slash bookguys and get it for free as your first clip. Uh, narrated by Jonathan Davis is the one I got here. Excuse me. I got here. I'm going to play the quick audio clip here. When they gave him the job, they gave him a gun. The deliverator never deals in cash, but someone might come after him anyway. Might want his car or his cargo. The gun is tiny, aero-styled, lightweight. The kind of gun a fashion designer would carry. It fires teensy darts that fly at five times the velocity of an SR-71 spy plane. And when you get done using it, you have to plug it into the cigarette lighter because it runs on electricity. The deliverator never pulled that gun in anger or in fear. He pulled it once in Gila Highlands. Some punks in Gila Highlands, a fancy burbclave, wanted themselves a delivery and they didn't want to pay for it. Thought they would impress the deliverator with a baseball bat. The deliverator took out his gun, centered its laser doohickey on that poised Louisville slugger, fired it. The recoil was immense, as though the weapon had blown up in his hand. The middle third of the baseball bat turned into a column of burning sawdust, accelerating in all directions like a bursting star. I'm going to cut it off right there. We're talking about a pizza delivery. <laughs> oh, you know, this idea of you know, gripping first chapters is, is interesting because a lot of the books I read, you know, if I'm reading in fantasy, especially sort of high epic fantasy, they're sort of notor- notoriously slow starters. Yeah. So a lot of those don't have the gripping you know, first chapter, it's almost, well, if I get through the first hundred pages, I hear it really gets good after that. Yeah. And, you know, this is one of those gripping first chapters where uh, I'm sure like Sir Jimmy, when you, when you uh, this one was recommended to me by uh, Chris, the book guy, Chris Jager, who is going to return for the hundredth. Um, and, and as soon as he gave me the concept, there's this guy and he delivers pizza for the mafia and whatever. I thought, this is silly, whatever. And then I listened. 17 hours later, I loved Neil Stevenson, and I've enjoyed a lot of his books. But you're right, gripping first chapter. Sir Jimmy, am I wrong here? First chapter just got you into it? Jimmy? Are you with us? Uh, yes, Paul, I agree with you totally. Thank you, That's Jimmy. Professor Allen Dry. I mean, oh, uh, my was- goodness. I fell down and my shoes fell off. <laughs> But uh, I'm back. I'm saying yes. It's very gripping. Yeah, and the first chapter, the, right? The the second chapter starts, and you have to stop at some point and develop some other characters. I could have listened to uh, 15 hours about a guy delivering pizza as a guy who delivered yeah. pizza. Yeah, I was like, wow, look at the technology. Look what's going on. They got timers on every individual pizza. Right. <laughs> this and that. I was just like, I was enthralled. It, it really, it, it spoke to me. And, you know, I'm, I'm about anything crazy in the future. And, you know, that's uh, not like nuclear holocaust or anything. But things have devolved down. And it's like, I guess it's not too much of a, um, a spoiler to say that there is no government anymore. It's only corporations. Right, and we heard in that clip the burp claves where it's uh, suburbs have all uh, split off. Yeah. There's no, more, no longer a Canadian government or a U.S. government. There's suburbs and uh, triplexes are all separate entities, and there's basically checkpoints everywhere across North America. 
but it blows my mind. Some of this takes place in Los Angeles, and some right. of it takes place in Hawaii, right? Right. And I, I might, I'm gonna have to listen to it again, and and take all the things that have confused me, and listen to it with a little more diligence, and try to figure out how all this comes together because a lot of the little the little side things and and, and oddities sort of taken my. It, I guess what do you call it? The suspension of disbelief. Right. It came very naturally. Now you guys hear all the noise behind us. It's nah, gonna get. Nah. It's gonna get worse at episode one hundred. Because I'm sure I'm gonna have a party here, Sir Jimmy. You're gonna have a party at your house. Oh yes, Professor Allen. You're gonna have a party at your house, and every single former guest, author, and and and, and just everyone that we're gonna have on is gonna have a party at their house. So we're going to have some music in the background. Uh, Sir Jeff Smith from the, the Jeff Smith. Uh, JeffSmith.com. Yeah. He has uh, uh, gifted us all his music. So we can play all of Jeff Smith's music. Uh, we may have some other music for some other um, podcast-friendly artists are going to be Let playing. Let me ask you this, Paul. Yeah. How are we going to fit all these people onto the Internet? Well, here's how it's going to work. <laughs> Episode 100. We're going to start at 7 o'clock recording. All the way to 10 o'clock. It's three hours. Oh, I see. So you're going to spread it out. That's a brilliant idea. You need to patent that. Yeah. So every 10 minutes, we're going to call another person on Skype. And we're going to give people about like a 30-minute window. Just in case someone doesn't show up and we have to call someone else. But every 10 minutes, we're going to call another guest. And there's going to be no topic. We're just going to be doing our thing, having a party. And every 10 minutes, we're going to call another previous guest. And just to keep in, in the flavor of the show and doing our, our core competency, what we do, we're still going to ask each and every guest to recommend one or two books. And uh, the rule is it can't be your book. So, you know, when we do get Seth Harwood back oh, on. sneaky. Sneaky. You know, I like it. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, we, we can have, uh, you know, an author come on and recommend their own books. But I got a feeling that some of our guests, they're going to work behind the scenes, you know. Yeah. I think, you know, Selena Kopic is going to. I'm just going to recommend Lee and Dolan's book and yeah. vice versa. Cons- Those guests, they can be awfully sneaky. Conspiring, yeah. Sorry, we cons- – we uh, – what, what do you call it? We, uh, mm, we, we encourage we conspiracy. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure we've had 33 guests. Oh, hey now, hang on. I just made that up, but – And Professor Allen, huh? you've done a, an interview this week that we're going to play – just now. No, in a second. Wait one second. Oh, hang on. I'm waiting one second. Because um, I, I'm writing down Pat Flewelling right now. Oh, yes, from CrimeWritersCanada.com. Yes, because I have her book right here. Um, and Judge Not. So we can't leave anybody out. I know we're, no, uh, we're no. making a list. Absolutely not. We're going to uh, include every single one of our guests. That's why we kind of push it to the future because... I'm still emailing people. No, I got I, I have to tell you, this is off of Book Guy's main, you know, topic. But I had a great time over the Winter Olympics, following my Canadian friends Pat Flewelling and Paul Alves during certain hockey and curling matches. Hey, you, you, you guys gave it a good tweets. shot. <laughs> right. Very entertaining tweets. You not, guys- not, not, not to delay this anymore, but that's what I'm doing. Um, you <laughs> talked about Professor Allen being a guest on another podcast. I 
recently um, was looking through some unlistened to podcast by one of our friends and uh, saw that uh, Mr. Paul Alves is you know, hanging out with the guy from the Ozone Nightmare. Oh, yes. Tell us about that. Oh, geez. We haven't even discussed it. Oh, geez. Me and Joe the Dish Slave, we had a, a session. And I said, Joe, listen, uh, you know what? Yeah, I'll, I'll come and join you Friday at 9 o'clock, but I'm coming back from the bar. He's like, oh, that's fine. No problem. Well, it turned out we spoke for about an hour and a half, and uh, it violated his format. And I've done this a few. I've done this a few times on other podcasts where people say, "Well, we're come, you come on for a twenty minute podcast," and we end up talking for six hours. So uh, again, once again on Joe's uh, podcast, we went to like an hour and twenty minutes or something, and he said, "Well, I'll break it up into two episodes." So the ozone nightmare, <laughs> Joe Esposito, Joe the Dish Slave. Okay, thank that was you fun. for clearing that up. You know, we will, we'll I put hate a link. to have to get this stuff secondhand. I thought we were like buddies. Well, listen, now, are you not following me on the Twitter? I don't read the Twitters. I tweet the tweets, and uh, they somebody has to like staple it to my forehead if I'm going to read it. <laughs> yeah, but that was fun. Uh, on the Ozone Nightmare, I was actually, it was, it was a, <laughs> it's a new segment. It's called Ozone Late Night. Oh, look at that. Is that <laughs> like... Jimmy, I, like I'm going to make it explicit. Time? That's what the fuck I do when I go on people's other podcasts. It's like overtime. <laughs> yeah. It's overtime like, on EBS. It's like, my podcast is called Ozone Nightmare. And then Paul the Book Guy comes on and it's like, well, we're going to call this episode Ozone Late Night. <laughs> <laughs> Taking over. But it was a lot of fun. I uh, love Joe. Joe's going to be on the 100th. He's confirmed as well. Joining us. Bill Meeks. From Meeks Mix Media. Mix Mux. Yeah, Tom Merritt is going to join us. I'm trying to get Veronica on. Veronica Belmont. Oh, yeah, sure you are. That's all right. If, if we've got Tom, that's all it. That's all we need. That's right. That's right. He, Scott he Brick. Almost as cute. To be God fair. bless him. I yes. think the best audiobook narrator in the business, Scott Brick, has Absolutely. said he'll be available. He'll join us. Maybe we'll get Gabrielle DeCure on. And maybe we can get her to bring Orson on finally live. I know he's, he sent us promos and whatnot. We'll get him live. And, uh, you know, Padre. And hopefully Leo Laporte will join us. Are you just making up names now? I mean, are, I'm just making do you really want to put this out in episode 97? This is going to be fun, guys. Episode 100 is going to be a live record. No editing. Um, just bring a lot of stuff that you can talk about because... Who knows? Maybe no one answers our phone call. We'll have to ad lib for three hours. <laughs> yeah, that's that's tough for us. No, nah, we can talk for hours. You know that, Jimmy. <laughs> All right. So, uh, uh, Alan, uh, Professor Allen here's got some kind of like uh, really cool insight into a literature type dude or a chick, right? Yes, I spoke to one of my favorite people in comic book podcasting. You can fall asleep now, Sir Jimmy. Oh. And Doctor <laughs> Who fandom. Yes. So. Oh, goodness sake. All right, let me get my uh, morphine drip. <laughs> he goes by the name The Irredeemable Shag. Nice. And I talked to him for about a half hour or so, and we talked about a ton of Doctor Who books, audio, and comic books. And he tells the story about that time that he and Nick Briggs got engaged. Oh, well, that, you know what? That's all I can say. So we'll, uh, let's take a quick break and we'll come back with Nick Briggs getting engaged. 
This is Professor Allen. This is an exclusive Book Guys interview. I'm talking with one of my favorite podcasters and internet nerds, Shag. Uh, that's the irredeemable Shag. Thank you very much. Welcome to the Book Guys. We're glad to have you. I'm I'm really excited. This is this is great. You have a you have a marvelous green room, by the way. I'm very impressed. <laughs> that's quite a spread. Quite a don't, spread. Don't let the Dalek scare you. <laughs> just just want to know what you do with that plunger in your off hours. Hey, now, just <laughs> just be polite and everything will be okay. <laughs> when I was thinking about trying to get some guests onto the show, I'm thinking, about what's the book guys about? It's about books and comic books and audio books and the occasional Doctor Who podcasts. And I figured that's pretty much everything that you like. <laughs> so you seemed a pretty reasonable guest. You guys are pretty much in my wheelhouse, that's for sure. I've been podcasting now for a few years. I am a member of the Who True Freaks, which is a Doctor Who-themed podcast over on the Two True Freaks Network. I'm sure many of your listeners are familiar with it. I am a pretty big Doctor Who fan, I would say. I've been watching the show since I was about 12 years old and attended a couple of conventions. I own hundreds and hundreds of Doctor Who novels. probably read over 200 of them. I've listened to something like, I don't know, 500 hours of audio dramas. Oh, I have a 12-foot Doctor Who scarf, you know, a Sylvester McCoy umbrella, comics, the whole whole shebang. You know, my kids were brought up on it. In fact, you know, another reason that qualifies me to be your guest is I am a, um, I'm Nick Briggs' fiancé. I know he was on your show a while back, and he and I got engaged at the Gallifrey One convention. Uh, <laughs> I suppose that... I think there's a longer story there, Shai. Go ahead and tell it. When we talked to Nick, he didn't mention you. Ouch! I mean, are, is, there, is there an issue there we need to address? I think I need to address it. I didn't realize I, I meant that little to him. Now, at the Gallifrey One convention, we were you know, at a big finish panel, and I can't close my mouth. So, of course, I wanted to ask questions. So I raised my hand, and I asked a question. I don't remember what it was about. I think it was about CDs versus downloads. Anyway, someone in the back of the room couldn't hear the question. And they yelled, what did he say? And Nick looks up and goes, oh, you couldn't hear the question? He asked me to marry him. And a whole audience just lost it. And it became like a gag for like 15 minutes of him asking who would marry who on the panel. And it was hilarious. And so, and this continued throughout the weekend. Like I ran into him when I went to, I went to go get something signed. And he's like, oh, it's my future husband. You know, it's just like, it just became a funny gag. So I, I consider myself his fiance. So my wife's okay with it. I mean, she, she understands. It's a Dalek. You don't say no. You're in Florida. So I think a- anything goes from what I can tell. That is so not fair. (laughs) Now, we usually start our episodes with a what are you reading segment. So, novel, nonfiction, comic book. I can't read. (laughs) That's why I like comic books. There's pretty pictures and audio dramas. So, um, so what's on the nightstand? What's on your e-reader? Just finished Star Trek Vanguard by David Mack. Uh, the first volume in that sort of spin-off series, someone kind of got me interested in trying it. It was okay. It wasn't great, but uh, I, I enjoyed it. I could see the potential there. I do like Star Trek original fiction, especially when it's a new direction, so enjoy that. Next one, as far as novels go, is a Jack McDevitt book. I really enjoy his Alex Benedict series. Are you familiar with it? I haven't read any. But I've give seen you the yeah. give you, you know, the elevator pitch. Basically, far, far, far future. Human race has expanded in the galaxy, and he is sort of an archaeologist slash xeno-archaeologist. And he goes back and, and looks up relics that are like 10,000 years old, but they're still in the future to us. So he may go look right. up something that's far, far in our future, but to them it's 10,000 years old. So there's, there's a little bit of Indiana Jones. There's a little <laughs> bit of Dan Brown's sort of conspiracy stuff, and there's a lot of sci-fi in it. It's fun. I really enjoy it. So next one up for me is The Devil's Eye. 
Came out in 2008. I'm just getting around to it. And talking about Star Trek books and even Doctor Who books, just in general, sort of a broad question. When you're looking at an expanded universe type of scenario, what mm-hmm. what do you look for? What 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 makes it good? What makes it bad? Wow, that's a great question. Yeah, because I've fallen in love with the Star Wars, Star Trek, and Doctor Who expanded universes. Beyond that, I, I struggle with a lot of expanded universes. Mm-hmm. They have to be bold enough to create their own continuity. You know, you, you can't do just a series of books that are one-offs that are fun. Like, I'll give you here's – here's a great example. Okay, Doctor Who, when the new series came out in 2005, they changed the whole direction of their expanded universe fiction. Right. And I've barely read any of them because they're not developing anything anymore. It's just you enjoy the show, read a book. It's kind of the way it works. That's not an expanded universe to me. You need to be expanding. You need to be developing characters, creating new characters, creating continuity of your own. But that's what I'm looking for in an expanded universe. I've, I've read a handful of the new uh, Doctor Who's mm-hmm. uh, books, and I got a feeling with one of them, and I, I really I can't remember which one. I might not throw it under the bus anyway. But there seemed to be one that was basically a sci-fi story that yeah. the author took off the shelf threw uh-huh. in a little bit of Doctor Who and was, able, and, and, and was able to sell it that way. It was just sort of the impression I got as a reader, that it was not inherently a Doctor Who story. I could totally believe that. Um, they're designed to be one-and-dones, so a, a lot of that. And they've also pulled in some new writers. Now, some of them are long-term writers that have written for the previous Doctor Who iterations. Right. Doctor Who's been publishing original fiction since the – well, not original fiction. has been publishing novels since the 70s when they started doing the target novelizations. And I don't know if you've ever read any of those. Those are uh, near and dear to my heart. They were essentially just real quick screenplays of the of the of the book of the episodes. I got to tell you that is in thinking about my Doctor Who fandom, it's mm-hmm. quite possible. Now we're talking, you know, thirty five plus years ago, and sometimes reality is not exactly as you remember it. Mm-hmm. But given that, I am pretty sure that those novelizations were my entry into Doctor Who, because I was over really? I was overseas in the mid seventies. And so I, I didn't see the show until the late 70s on PBS. But looking back, doing some sort of research, looking back, I recognize these titles. And I recognize mm. these, these covers. I certainly recognize the logo mm-hmm. that is on some of those. So to me, the, a lot of the you know, Terrence Dicks oh, yeah. um, novelizations, whether they were uh, Pertwee's or a lot of Tom Baker's, I'm pretty sure that's... How I discovered Doctor Who was through the books. That is so cool. That's such an interesting way. I don't think I've ever met anyone who came upon the show that way. Because at that point, I was reading anything science fiction, anything time travel, anything. And, you know, you got, you know, whether it's a dinosaur on the cover or a, <laughs> you know, some huge headed alien, I picked it up. Once I figured out it was a series, and I have no idea if this was at the, the English language library or the school library or where exactly. My dad picked them up somewhere along the way at the PX or something. I have no idea sort of how I got these. but And, and even thinking back about old episodes, I recognize the titles, and mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I haven't seen the episodes. You know, so uh, you know, I'm sort of putting two and two together and coming up with, I must have read a ton of those books when I was 10, 11, 12. Well, you know, the funny thing is with the books, the special effects are a lot better than the show. So <laughs> you, you came about it in a good way. The, the Target novels are directly responsible for my passion for reading. Because when I was That's a kid, right. reading was, yeah, you know, whatever. But when I discovered the Doctor Who show and very quickly the books, I became a voracious reader. I would just tear through those things because there's, I don't know, I knew the number at some point. It's like 170 of these books or something right. or other. And they're fun. They're, I mean, they're nothing deep. <laughs> but an 11, like you said, an 11-year-old can tear through them. 
and just live inside those pages and just see the whole world. So, And you mentioned Terrence Dix. I'm glad you did. He worked on the old school show, but he wrote probably more of those novelizations than anyone else. His name became synonymous with him. So just to continue the book Expanded Universe, to could go on that theory real quick, or thought try. Yep. When the show went off the air in 1989, the series got picked up, if you will, in book form in 1991 by Virgin Publishing. They did a series called The New Adventures, and this featured the seventh doctor, Sylvester McCoy, the mm-hmm. little guy with the umbrella. And they told what they called stories that were too broad and too deep for the small screen. That was new Doctor Who. There was no denying it. There was nothing else out there other than Doctor Who magazine, which had some comic strips. This was new Who. Now, it's a book guy show, so I have some quick recommendations of books if that's okay. Absolutely. Okay. I'm going to go through them real quick because I'm going to hit all the different series. So from uh, the Virgin Publishing New Adventures, if you want to try them out, some ones I'd recommend. Uh, Blood Heat by Jim Mortimer. It's an alternate reality store with Silurians. All-Consuming Fire by Andy Lane. It's got Sherlock Holmes in it. I oh, mentioned whoa, Terrence. whoa, whoa, whoa. There's a, uh-huh. doctor, there's a Doctor Who, Sherlock Holmes crossover? To be fair, I haven't read these books probably in 20 years, but I have very vivid memories of them. I enjoyed them, so did they hold up? I can't promise you that, but man, 20 years ago, they were the bomb. So, <laughs> Terrence, Terrence Dix, that we just mentioned, him. he wrote an original novel called Blood Harvest, which was about the vampires, which was really good. Now, here's a name you might know, Paul Cornell. Oh, of course. Who's written several episodes of the New Who, if you will, series. And a uh, prolific comic book writer as well. Mm-hmm, exactly. The David Tennant episode called Human Nature right. was, was actually a New Adventures book first. I've heard of that, mm-hmm. but, you've read, but you actually came upon it first. Yeah. So read the book, and later on, was when, when they announced the next episode, I'm like, huh, what? And then you've got Love and War, which also by Paul Cornell introduced a character named Bernice Summerfield, who became incredibly important in the Doctor Who Expanded Universe. And then i got to mention this one little book. It's not the greatest book in the world. However, it's worth mentioning. It's called Damaged Goods, and it's written by uh, a new writer at the time named Russell T. Davies. Yeah. Mark Gatiss wrote some, who's involved with Sherlock and Doctor Who, Gary Russell, all those folks. So alongside the New Adventures line, Virgin also published a Missing Adventures series, which was backstories about Doctors 1 through right. 6. A few recommendations for you on those. Who Killed Kennedy by James Stevens and David <laughs> Bishop. There is no question mark in that title, by the way. Yes. <laughs> it's really good, actually. It's, it's, the Doctor's not actually in it a lot, but it's about the Doctor universe. Oh, it's so good. Then there's a three-book cycle that I have to mention called Romance of Crime, English Way of Death, and Well-Mannered War, all written by Gareth Roberts. It stars the fourth Doctor and the second Romana and Canine. It's at season 17, which does not have a very good reputation. Right. These books literally, like you read them, it's, it's that faithful to the show, but good. You know, it, it feels like seven, <laughs> season 17 done right. Like you can see the sets shake when you're reading the book in your head. In fact, it's so good. I just found out last night when I was preparing for the show that they've got Tom Baker and Lala Ward back with John Leeson, and they're going to adapt them for Big Finish. Terrific. Cold Fusion, which is a crossover between the Fifth Doctor and the Seventh Doctor by Lance Parkin, which is really cool because those are two weird doctors to have together. Before they lost the license, they also published some anthologies. Just one more name to mention. uh, In one of those anthologies, in Decalogue Volume 3, is a story by a little-known guy named Stephen Moffat. Hey! Exactly. (laughs) So, the company in Telos did a bunch of original novellas. In 1996, BBC took over the license and published their own original fiction with the Eighth Doctor after the TV movie. Run through a few of those if you don't mind real quick. Sure. 73 books in that series, by the way. Uh, Vampire Science by Kate Orman and John Bloom involves vampires. Really good stuff. Alien Bodies. Seriously, guys, go read Alien Bodies by Lawrence Miles. Find it. Just stop listening to this show. No, you know what? Don't do that. This is a good show. <laughs> but go find Lawrence Miles, uh, Lawrence Miles' book, Alien Bodies. It 
changed the face of Doctor Who original fiction. This guy was so creative, took the book in a direction that people weren't ready for, and it's amazing. And uh, Stephen Moffat owes Lawrence Miles some credit. I'm just going to leave it at that. The Turing Test by Paul Leonard, Father Time by Lance Parkin. Sorry, we're running through those quickly. A lot of those are part of a cycle where the Doctor loses his memory. Oh, Great, okay. it was very good stuff. The City of the Dead by Lloyd Rose, and I just had to mention those. Great stuff. They also did some past Doctor books. Uh, there's some great ones by Mike Tucker and Robert Perry with the Seventh Doctor. Go check those out. I've talked too much about those. I'm going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give an endorsement to one more book. If you're not interested in the old stuff that I just rambled on about, and you're a new Doctor Who fan, uh, an Eleventh Doctor book, which was exceptional. I read it. I don't know. It's about a year or two old. It's called The Silent Stars Go By by Dan Abnett. Oh, okay. It's the Doctor, Amy, and Rory on a snowy world in confronting the Ice Warriors. And it doesn't really contradict anything from the new series when they brought the Ice Warriors back, and it, and it, it all fits in nicely. And in terms of New Who, we have to mention Nick Briggs wrote a novel. Yes, he did. And, uh, I read it. It was good. The Dalek Generation, it was called. And sort of, and the, the premise is that there's a planet out there that, for whatever reason... The Daleks have actually been benevolent rulers to. Hmm. And so when the Doctor shows up to make war on the Daleks, he, of course, is the invading bad guy. That's fascinating. I thought it was a great, a great concept, and he delivered it pretty well. It's sitting on my shelf. I haven't read it yet. That yeah. sounds really, really good. Now, over on the Who True Freaks podcast, you've already done a huge recap of the 50th and the end of the year and all of that. But I did want to talk to you just for a bit about what you must have thought of as seven minutes of awesome. The night, <laughs> the night of the Doctor. Because I know you were the first tweeter and Facebooker that I saw. So tell us, because I, I know you are a fan of McGann. I lost my mind. I totally lost my mind. A friend of mine sent it to me. Yes, Night of the Doctor, it, it, they released it on the web. None of us knew it was coming at all. And a buddy of mine just sent me a message that says, Shag, you need to watch this. So I did, and I was, I, was, I was getting ready for work. I work from home, so I was, I was in my kitchen, and I was making a, a, a mug of, of tea, actually. And I started watching it, and you hear Paul McGann's voice say, you know, I'm a doctor, but not the one you were expecting. And he's in the shadows, and you don't see him when he starts to talk. Well, I've listened to so many of these audio dramas. I know these guys' voices backwards and forwards. The moment I heard him say, I'm a doctor, I literally came within a, <laughs> an inch of dropping that mug of tea all over the floor. just like, oh! <gasps> The, the way everyone else reacted when they heard Tom Baker's voice? Yes. That was yes. you the, a couple days before. Yeah, absolutely. I I watched it. I'm embarrassed. I, like, sort of ran and skipped around the house, just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, like, um, if you've seen Despicable Me, the little girl who gets the toy. My kids love this. And they go, oh, he's so fluffy, I'm going to die. It was like that. I mean, I just lost my mind running around the house. And then I had to sit down. I rewatched it again to make sure I didn't just imagine it or wasn't it fan <laughs> film or something, you know. And then immediately got on the internets and told the world to go watch it and didn't tell them why. I said, you need to watch this now before someone spoils it. Just watch it. <laughs> so it was excellent. It was incredible. Seeing Paul McGann in the role again made me so happy because he's such a great actor. And people don't know it if they don't know about the audios. He's been living this character since 1999. He did the 96 movie, came back. It was, it was around 99. I don't remember exactly when for Big Finish. And he's been doing it constantly ever since. He's, he is part of the Doctor Who family. He's not just some guy who did it one time. And, and my impression is that that surprised him when he started doing conventions maybe in the mid-2000s. seemed like he was surprised by how many fans he had, most, yeah. mostly off almost exclusively from the audios. 
And I'll, uh, my impression on this, and this is not, I have not read this anywhere, so this is just me. So someone's listening who knows Paul, don't be mad. This is just me guessing. But, like, I got the sense that he wasn't in love with the Doctor Who situation. You know, he did the movie. It didn't work. He probably wasn't happy about it. He came back. You know, he did some audios. It was fine. Whatever. Didn't have a huge passion for it, though. But somewhere along the lines, and I think you're exactly right. I think it was the conventions that did it. Somewhere along the lines, his passion for this grew. He clearly loves the world of Doctor Who now. It took time. But man, he's he is his heart's so into it. He was the guy who was fighting as the doctor from ninety-six to exactly. two thousand five. Exactly. Keeping the show alive. He was the main guy. It's, it's wonderful to hear interviews with him and how passionate he is about it now. So it's great. As long as the interviewer doesn't ask dumb questions. If the interviewer <laughs> asks dumb questions, you can see he has no use for those people. <laughs> now, especially now that those adventures, which Nick Briggs always maintained were canon, have been <laughs> officially recognized as canon. Are there any story arcs or stories from the McGann era on Big Finish that you would in particular recommend? Absolutely, absolutely. If you want to try out McGann on, on Big Finish, I, there's a couple different jumping on points. The first one I would recommend is literally his first one. It's called Storm Morning. I want to say written by Alan Barnes. Great story. It's about the R101. If you don't know it, if you don't know your British history, it's sort of like the Hindenburg. And he rescues a girl from that ship. And it starts him on a path that is wonderful. You don't necessarily have to listen to all of them in order after that. If you don't want to listen to everything, I would go from Storm Morning, jump straight to Chimes of Midnight, which is quite possibly one of the best audio dramas I've ever heard in my life. I've heard that. Chimes of Midnight is incredible, and I am doing somebody a disservice because I don't have the author's name at my fingertips, so I apologize for that. There's a few other ones that are good. I'm I'm sorry. There's a lot that are good, but a few I would recommend real quickly. (laughs) Not Terra Firma, but Terror Firma. Is a great one. It was sort of a relaunching of McGann's third or fourth season. I don't remember. After a long storyline ended, he was starting back on some more straightforward adventures. It's got Davros and the Daleks, and Davros is losing right. his mind. Very good <laughs> stuff. If you don't want to fiddle around with that stuff, the place to jump in and do a whole series would be the line called The Eighth Doctor Adventures. They ever, all the other ones I just mentioned were part of the main range. They did a line called The Eighth Doctor Adventures with a character called Lucy Miller, played by Sheridan Smith, that had four seasons. I cannot recommend those highly enough. They, they decided at that point to say, we're going to do more Doctor Who, but rather than doing the two-hour format we've been doing all this time, we're going to do one-hour episodes, which are going to sort of pace them like the TV show. And that whole line is, again, four seasons long with Sheridan Smith called Eighth Doctor Adventures. You can find it on the Big Finish website. Excellent stuff. And right now, Paul's adventures are being chronicled in a storyline called Dark Eyes. They've been releasing these box sets. So those are, those are what I'd recommend if you want to pick up the Eighth Doctor stuff. When we uh, when we talked to uh, Nick Briggs, we did not go into the side series, uh-huh. the Jago and Lightfoots or some of the companion series. A couple of those stories or series that aren't specifically the Doctor but are in the universe that you found compelling sure. or interesting. Yeah, if you're a if you're a Doctor Who fan, even tangentially, there is a side series for you. I promise. I mean, they've got stuff out there that are specific to Tom Baker. I won't say all of those are great, but I will say many of them are. They've got Lost Stories, which is where they find old scripts. Wow. Yeah, That's interesting stuff. Idea. If you love Sarah Jane, and let me tell you, every time Liz Layton's on the screen, she finds a way to make me cry. She did a series before she got her own TV show, before Doctor Who came back. She did a right. series, which I really enjoy. It's a little darker, some language in it. I'm glad you mentioned Jago and Lightfoot. That would be my number one recommendation. Jago and Lightfoot is an absolute hoot. If you enjoyed Talons of Wang Chiang, there were two characters in there. There was the theater owner, Jago, and there was the um, doctor, the guy who did the autopsies, Lightfoot. And they were a really odd combination. And they were funny on screen, very endearing. Well, they've got those actors back together. They're like a million years old. 
and they are recording <laughs> the most wonderful, endearing stories. They're on, I don't know, they're on like the sixth series of these things now. They are so funny. I, I, I had never tried them until last year, and I fell in love. It was just a testimony for it. We were at Gallifrey One, and they asked the audience, you know, what side series would you recommend to a friend? And Jago and Lightfoot was the, the number one one everyone would recommend to a friend. If you like the Daleks, try Dalek Empire. There's four series of those. I wholeheartedly endorse the first two. The others aren't bad, but the first two are really, really good. Also, if you like the Daleks, there's a four-disc four series called I, Davros. They oh, brought wow. Terry Malloy back. It's, a, it's Davros's origin, and it's all about how Davros becomes who he is. That thing is amazing. I love I, Davros. I could listen to that over and over and over and over. There's tons of these things. So anything you like about Doctor Who, it's out there. I promise. In addition to the main range, I, I can't stop. I'm so passionate about this stuff. You know, at breakfast this morning, oddly enough, my 14-year-old goes, hey, what's a radio play? <laughs> it's like, really? What? <laughs> like, where did that come from? How, how interesting timings. Apparently, they're learning about it in school. So in addition to the main range, they've had a line called the Companion Chronicles, which is 80 discs long. This this might even this might even appeal to book lovers more. Each one's individual. There's no continuity to it, really. Okay. Essentially, it is a companion from the show. Not reading a story. They're sort of narrating the story, but they're also acting it at the same right. time. Those right. actually have become my favorite ongoing range. Let me run by a couple of the theories that we've been kicking around on the show, or some okay. of our some of our Peter Capaldi thoughts in particular mm. that uh, Paul the book guy and I have been tossing back and forth. And, and one is, I think you've actually mentioned this on Who True Freaks, or it has been brought up, our official book guy position <laughs> is, that, is that Capaldi is going to be great and not as popular. I agree wholeheartedly. You know, that he's not going to hit some of those fan demographics. I've, I've moderated this a little bit after the 50th, mm-hmm. and I think that the John Hurt appearance <laughs> was... Those are some pretty, pretty impressive eyebrows, that scene. <laughs> Those two, those two seconds changed exactly. my life. I kid you not. <laughs> no, I meant the John Hurt appearance Okay, made an older doctor who was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And I think people who may have had the immediate reaction of, well, this guy's 25 years older than the two last heartthrobs we've had. Mm-hmm. You know, they saw a guy who was 35, 40, 50 years older be awesome. Yeah. And I, and I think maybe Capaldi at least gets a look. Yeah. From some of those fans who may have turned it off immediately. I think it's fair. And there's going to be a whole legion of haters who just want to hate. That's the right. way it rolls. It happens every time. I, 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 I try to create a, a term in the lexicon called new doctor jitters, which is regardless <laughs> of who the new actor is, you're nervous. You can't help it. You're like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to like this guy. I mean, I remember the first time David Tennant came on. In, you know, in my mind, right. I don't know if I'm going to like this guy. I don't know. Pff, yeah, okay. Uh, that worked out for me. I think everyone's going to be nervous. I think you're right. There's a demographic. I mean, Tumblr is going to take the biggest hit yeah. it's ever had because <laughs> um, there's no going to be swooning over a 10 and 11 anymore. So you're going to lose some of that. You're right. But his acting is going to shine through. I mean, I've said it before, and I apologize if people have heard me say it, but this is the first guy to come to the table with an Academy Award already. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, this is not a lightweight guy. This is not just some guy they found in the soup kitchen line. This is this is an established actor. I mean, if you go watch um, – it was in the thick of it. Is that what it's called? Uh, you'll get an idea how powerful this guy can command a room. But even as a Weasley sort of political guy in the Torchwood Children of Earth, he again commanded the screen when he was on it. Yeah. Even even with a character who was weak as an actor, he was strong in portraying that guy's weakness. I think he's going to be exceptional. I cannot wait. I, if, I'm, I'm yeah, ready to move on. That's fair. That's fair. And if you can get an opening episode as good as the 11th hour. Wasn't that so good? You know, I think maybe, you know, maybe he can get people to stick. Because like you say, especially after the 50th and the huge numbers they got, people are going to watch. 
Yep. And if and if he can deliver, or if Moffat can deliver as good an episode as that one, where again you got like you said, new Doctor Jitters, one hour of TV, and I was I was all in on Matt Smith. There's something interesting about the first season of every new Doctor, at least for me. It's so wild and untamed and full of energy right. that sort of changes as time goes on. Like if you look at David Tennant's first season, you look at Matt Smith's first season, heck, go back and look at Tom Baker's first season. Each one of those are so wild and full of energy, and the actor is just you, – you just can't help but look at them. They're just so controlling everything, whereas later on, it sort of becomes a lot of emoting at the camera and, oh, life's so hard and the weight of the world's on their back, you know, when before they're just having adventures. I hope some of that carries through for Capaldi. I hope it's just, you know, wild and frenetic and just you, you feel like you're just trying to you're, – you're holding on by your fingertips to keep up with this amazingly wild man, you know, the madman with the box. Now on the uh, on the internet, you were also a comic book dude. Aww. So to transition, are there some Doctor Who comics before we talk about other comics? There's not a ton out there. Yeah, you, primarily the comic was kept alive through Doctor Who magazine in comic strip form, and they've collected that over the years. Marvel collected some. They collected some themselves in these giant Doctor Who classic comic stuff. Uh, and more recently, IDW picked up the license for Doctor Who comic right. books here in the United States. In 2008, they did this great miniseries called The Forgotten, written by Tony Lee. And it was a 10th Doctor story with Martha, but there were a ton of flashbacks. Like, it would flash back, and there'd be a little short story with the first Doctor, and a short story with the second Doctor. And so you threw on all up, up through 10, and that was a lot of fun. Tony Lee really gets how to write Doctor Who comic books, because while Doctor Who's adventures are very animated, if you will. It's hard to write a Doctor Who comic, because I can tell you, I've read some that I don't even remember. Yeah, I've read, I, I, I read one of his, uh, Tony Lee, called Fugitive, which was mm-hmm. a, a Tenth Doctor story as well. And I agree, he, he knows his Doctor Who lore, and he in, in, in that he was able to weave that history into the ongoing story. And I'm, I'm going to give an endorsement for one more. This is an Eleventh Doctor story. It's a series that came out in 2011. It's Eleventh Doctor. It's an issue number 12. It's called Silent Night, with a K. And it's a Christmas story, also written by Tony Lee. It is a silent comic book. Ah. And it's a story about him trying to help Santa Claus. As he would. It is now one of my favorite Doctor Who comics, actually. I decided to give, treat myself to a Doctor Who marathon of Christmas specials the other night. <laughs> I was watching one, and someone was asking the Doctor. It was on the Voyage of the Damned. And I never understood what he said. He goes, you know, he's, someone goes, what's this Christmas all about? He said, I should know. And rah, 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 rah. I'm like, what do you say? And I've never been able to understand. Well, I realized Netflix has subtitles. <laughs> so I turned it on. And he goes, I should know. I was there. I got the last room. <laughs> exactly. It gets funnier the more you think about it. <laughs> Sorry, that was a little bit of a sidetrack, but crack me up. I've, I've got another uh, graphic novel collection. I haven't broken it open yet called The Ripper. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, that's another Tony Lee 11th Doctor. And again, any of that Victorian, Sherlockian, you throw the Doctor in that, I, I am all in for that. That whole run, actually, that 2011 series, the, the, this, this one I mentioned, Silent Night, and your Ripper, that's all from the same 12-issue run, right. that whole 12-issue run is exceptional. Now, so you are a, a not just a Doctor Who comic fan, but a comic <laughs> fan in general. And we've mentioned the Who True Freaks uh, podcast. You've also got another po- a more comic-related podcast with former guest of the book guys, Rob Kelly. Wait a minute. You had him on the show first? Well, he, he actually wrote a book. I know this you've, you've read a couple hundred, but he wrote one. So, <laughs> Yes, uh, Rob Kelly and I do a podcast together called the Fire and Water Podcast. 
it is a celebration of Aquaman, King of the Seven Seas, and Firestorm, The Nuclear Man. And we produce a new episode every week. comes out on Mondays. You can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, our websites, which is firestormfan.com and aquamanshrine.net. And we have an incredibly strong listening community, and we try and involve them in every way possible we can. They produce songs that we play on the show. We read their letters. It's very uh, collaborative, I would say, that show. That's what I was going to mention. The uh, I'm a teeny itsy-bitsy portion of that active fan base, and uh, it is, is probably the best podcasting fan community other than the Book Guys show. <laughs> Absolutely. You guys are great. <laughs> uh, that I've run across, like you said. Just and and these somewhat obscure comic book characters, you think? <laughs> Firestorm and Aquaman, now, and yet I, there is passion in the fan bases. Ironically, when we started, Aquaman was obscure. Now you know he's he's got a number one selling comic. But yeah, it's uh we really we're going for third you know second third stringers there because it's it's a niche. It can be ours. We can own that space. So it's kind of where we felt it'd be fun to do. Now we also produce a, another podcast in the same feed called Who's Who, the definitive podcast of the DC Universe, where we go through the legendary comic book series from the 1980s from DC Comics called Who's Who. And we go one episode per issue, and we go literally page by page. It is a marathon. If you're a fan of the Quarter Bin podcast and you like your podcast to be 15 minutes long, this is not the show for you. Yeah. <laughs> My recommendation is you download Fire and Water or Who's Who, and about halfway through which would be about an hour and a half. You take a break, listen to one of my episodes, and you go back and spend another couple hours listening to the second half of their show. Is, now, it, be, is that reasonable? Uh, for Who's Who, yes. Who's Who <laughs> does go two hours or more because we, we cover it in depth. Now, I will tell you, for Fire and Water, we've actually been making a real active effort to make the show shorter. We're trying to get them down to 30, 40 minutes, somewhere in that range. We're, yeah. we're trying. Turns out Who's Who, for covering a comic that was published 30 years ago, that podcast is really popular, not because of us, but because of the content. Everyone loves who's who. You know, you just you can't help but love those comics. You get a different artist every page. You learn about the characters. It's fun. And so we go through who's who, and, and then the, the back half. Of the and, show. and the story is great. Oh no, wait a minute. There's actually no story <laughs> in there. Sorry. Yeah, I get lost <laughs> in the plot all the time. <laughs> We get a lot of feedback on that one, too, and we read everyone's letters and their thoughts on the characters, and we have a good old time. There's a big old war going on about composite Superman and who's the, who's the hottest <laughs> legionnaire, and you know, this is all coming from the, the listening base of, of people. So There's not and, a real controversy. It's Dream Girl. Anyway, but moving right along. Oh, it is so Phantom Girl. So you can find that, again, at Fire and Water Podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. That grew out of the, your Firestorm blog, and again, <laughs> talk about niche. <laughs> um, I mean, how how long had that been going, and what was your your impetus for for starting to blog about that character? I originally started a blog called Once Upon a Geek, and it's still out there. and And I did it from 2008 to probably 2010 or whatever, and it covered anything in general. Just a lot of the stuff you guys talk about on your show actually was the focus of my blog. I love social media. I, I have a marketing background, so trying to make things successful is like exciting to me. I really enjoy that kind of stuff. <laughs> right. It's it's I actually created that blog to see if I could build something out of it and I was very successful and it was a lot of fun, but after a while it became work and I said, you know, I want I want to <laughs> focus on a niche. I really want to be on something really particular. Well, my two favorite comic book things are the Justice Society and there's a million sites out there about them and they deserve it. And then no one was doing Firestorm. And I and I love Firestorm. I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this. So that started in 2009. 
And then we started the podcast just before the new 52 launched in September 2011. So we went for about two years before the podcast came along. And now I, I, I love doing the podcast so much. It's so much fun because I get to hang out with a friend. And, you know, and essentially with doing the, the feedback, I feel like I'm hanging, hanging out with a lot of friends. So all the places we can find you, firestormfan.com yeah. for blogging. Yep. Fire and Water Podcast. Yep. Who True Freaks. Yep. If you want to find me up on the social medias, look for Firestorm Fan. You can look me up on Twitter, Google+, Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. So all of it's out there. And every, every time you mention Google+, I try to laugh a little bit like Rob Kelly does. Oh, nice, nice. So. Shockingly, because Google's so smart, they're forcing Google+, Plus to become more popular. It's <laughs> interesting. True. Like I, I was looking up hotels the other day, and it drove me to Google+. Plus. I'm like, what? But it's, uh, it's a growing community. So I have some friends at Google+, Plus that would uh, say you're, you're, you're causing fighting words there, sir. <laughs> well, glad to have you on the Book Guys show. It was an honor. I sincerely appreciate it. I hope I don't leave too long of a stain on your show. <laughs> hey, Paul. This is Orson Scott Card. I thought I was the book guy. Now I find out you're the book guy. What am I? Oh, I guess I'm just the author of Ender's Game. Okay. Hi, this is Colin Ferguson. I play Sheriff Jack Carter on Eureka, and you're listening to The Book Guys. Book Guys! Gee, Professor, that was a great interview. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, Paul, as soon as you listen to it, you'll be writing down names of audio, names of books. It is an action-packed 30 minutes. <laughs> hey, Sir Jimmy says I played the Jack Carter, Colin Ferguson promo twice. That is yes, correct. you did. And oh, jeez. I can't get enough of it. This is uh, Jeff Jack Carter from All right, so, hey, so you know what? You know, uh, Paul, I did recently appear <laughs> on a couple episodes of the Fantasticast. Nice. They did a promo for us. That's yeah. not it. <laughs> That's the That's wrong one. That's a good one. one, though. It had me going. No, you're right. That's a good one. You're right. So, you know, just for the hell of it, before we uh, continue talking. I'm Andrew Leyland of the Hey Kids Comics and Fantasticast podcast. And I'm Steve Lacey of 20 Minute Long Box and the Fantasticast. And you're listening to The Book Guys. Hey. <laughs> oh, yeah. Are we going to have any of the book girls on? Listen, uh, you know, the whole book girls uh, thing didn't work it's, out. It's, no, it's not that. It's, it's, <laughs> it's just, it's in flux. Yeah, yeah. We're still looking. Ladies, if you're out there, if you like books, we're still looking for some book girls. Come on. Absolutely. Just saying. And and, and we have the website. We have the hosting. We've got the feed. Come on down. Come on down is right. (sighs) It's like like 50% of the market. Absolutely. More than 50%, Sir Jimmy. Yeah, for books, a little bit more than that. Yeah, if anything, uh, gentlemen don't read enough. You know, really don't read enough. See, that's that's why guys need a book guy show. That's right. Absolutely. Guys, episode 097. I know we didn't do any book news this week. Um, we're going to skip it. We're going to uh, resume doing some book news here and there on the shows. Not, not so much timely book news, but just stuff we want to discuss. Yeah. We'll definitely come back and do it. But another book, guys, is almost. In the can. I, I would think so. <laughs> I would think so. We're almost ready to play the end, end theme. Uh, 98... Is coming up soon. Survivor man Les Stroud is going to join us. 
And we might get Andy Anatko from Twit and the Chicago Sometimes in as well. That'll be a good I'm, episode. We I'm going to ask. We Go might ahead. get uh, the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. We might get President Obama. We yeah. might get Vladimir Putin. <laughs> no, no, no. Seriously. Stay tuned. I'm not kidding. Les Stroud, Survivor Man himself, the only reality show celebrity that exists in, you know, in all of reality because, really, there's that no is, other real show. That is than, reality. He on. created his own genre. I mean, who's done that? That's right. I mean, he used to do seven days in the wilderness with like a bag of salt, two cameras, and a knife. You know, that's reality. Yeah. I now, don't go anywhere without days. a good multi-tool. Yeah. And he has a multi-tool. Yeah, I'm sure. But, you know, he doesn't bring a Kindle or an iPad or, you know, anything else. Now, you know, he does have like a, a survival team. What is it called? The backup team? The rescue team. You know, and they're, they're usually like, you know, 20 kilometers away from him just in case. But uh, I, I've seen some episodes where he's eaten half a squirrel some grass, and, you know... He takes the other half of the squirrel and puts it on a log and then tries to catch a bird that might come eat the squirrel. <laughs> right. But the cool part is he's filming it all himself. I mean, the visuals might not be as, as awesome as some other survival guy who has a camera crew who's down at the bottom when he jumps off of, a, right. uh, uh, like, a waterfall. But when, when Les walks into the sunset... And they show a time-lapse photography of him walking off into a snowbank like three or four hundred yards away. This guy, he's got to walk back and get the camera and then walk back to where he was. Right, right. It's a lot of work. It's diligence. And like I said, he created the genre. I think so. So hopefully, Les, uh, next Thursday, guys, we're recording the thing with Les. And we'll have fun. 98. 99 is going to be a recap show. We're going to talk about uh, how we all got together. We're going to play a lot, bunch of clips, some of the highlights over the last three years. And then 100, like I said, it's going to be a party, live party. No editing. We're just going to be calling people at random on Skype. Uh, a lot of our previous guests, guest hosts, uh, previous hosts of the show. It's going to be fun. And then 101, 102, we have some exciting stuff happening as well. Thank you, all of our listeners. All of our Twitter followers, all of anyone who's ever helped us and been part of this uh, scenario, thank you so much. We really, uh, I appreciate, we appreciate every moment you've spent listening to us, uh, every moment that you've spent uh, talking to us, every book you've sent us, HarperCollins, Penguin, uh, all the major publishers, the small publishers. Brilliance Audio. Brilliance Audio. Audible, all of our Audible. And as I say what, on episode 100, we have to tell the story of the first time that we all met in person. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Nick Briggs, over at Big Finish, and for joining us as well. Thanks, BBC. Thanks, everyone that has ever joined us and helped us. And That one guy that talks like the Daleks. Yeah, that's him. <laughs> you know, they're all coming back. They're all coming back. Jimmy has just exhausted his knowledge of Doctor Who. That's yes, right. I did. And yeah. thank you, Jimmy. Thank you, Alan. That's episode oh. 97. In the can. It's about that time. 097 is out. 098. Be back uh, for episode 98. Maybe the same book, cha- book time. And uh, I think the same book channel. Yeah.
Stay tuned, book readers and book listeners. Book Guide Show will return next week. Same book time, same book channel. And that's Jeff Gerner, who's also going to join us on 100.